Today we'll be talking about negativity, cynicism, and quiet quitting. We picked this scenario because we know lots of women have experienced this when offering what they think is experience, but others see as negativity, and we wanted to explore it a little more deeply. So Caroline, fill us in on today's career conundrum. Okay, so here I go. I've worked for a company for nearly 15 years. It's a big organization, therefore I've had many roles and for the last eight I've been based in one particular team. In general, I'm happy and motivated and quite content to continue working here until I retire. However, recently I was shocked to be called negative at work because I mentioned in a team meeting that some new strategies that were being proposed had been tried some years ago and had since been reversed. I thought I was being helpful. But when I was discussing another issue one-to-one -one with my boss, she brought it up and mentioned that it wasn't helpful to the team to be negative about new ideas. She said it was important that all team members continue to be innovative and forward-thinking. I've always thought this about myself and have led on some innovative projects which have brought efficiencies and change. I couldn't believe she was talking about me. I just don't see myself as negative. Interesting. Yeah, I, don't th I think that for people who've worked in organisations for a while, who've been around the block a bit like us, I, I think a lot of people will recognise this. Definitely. And I recognise it for sure. One thought that sort of sprung to mind for me was this is a problem of age and experience in many ways, because as you say, we've been around the block, we've seen it all. And when you are trying to, you know, what you think is helpful in saying, well, here's the context for why something didn't work before, or, um, you know, here's what we tried and here's the situation, the outcome, and, and, and here's the reasons why it didn't work. The people who are new to the organization, you know, as much as you give them context, there's still going to be a lot that they just can't grasp because they weren't there at the time. And it is seen as negative because I think there's two things happening. One is that they feel uh, and or they you know they observe that the context is different to the one that you're describing so if we you know tried to do this innovation 10 years ago well the, the business context or the situation the social context was totally different it might work now where it didn't work before the other thing i see is that people think that what you're trying to do is tear down the idea and not provide solutions but really what you're what you think you're doing is you're providing input to help move the conversation forward. Is that sort of how you experienced it or see it in others? Yeah, I think I agree with all of that. I think it is sometimes hard not to express a bit of frustration when you're seeing the same kind of policies being reintroduced. And unfortunately, it is the nature of being in an organisation which has problems, which don't seem particularly solvable, and people keep trying new things and, you know, you probably don't mean to come across negative, but, you know, maybe people see it like that. I think I think also that people don't believe that a solution won't work until they've tried it themselves. Yeah, that's really true. And that's really, uh, in some ways, that that's very difficult when someone's not valuing it feels like your experience is not valued that you've although you've done this and you've seen this and you've been through this unless that person goes through that as well they don't kind of believe it I, th I think it's it's hard to, it's it's a difficult one isn't it because I can see it from both perspectives and in some ways lots of organizations have problems which just never going to go away um, we call this the unsolvable problem, don't we? Yes, the unsolvable problem <laughs> is quite a conundrum. 
and in its own right. I think all organisations have this. I mean, just some, it's their unsolvable problem is they're just too big. Some organisations, you just find uh, that constantly being told we mustn't work in silos. But if your organisation is massive and communication is difficult, then those things naturally happen, don't they? Yeah. Um, and just as an aside, it, we shouldn't say that you shouldn't try to solve the unsolvable problem, but no. there are unsolvable problems. So just to sort of take a little step back, you know, the unsolvable yeah. problem is an obstacle that in many ways everybody wants to get around or can't, you just can't get around it, but you must always struggle against it. And there's even small examples, like if you work in a small family firm and the the next generation is going to take over the company. If you want to be CEO, chances are you're never going to be CEO because it's a family business and that's how it works. And you just have to decide how you feel about it and what your ambitions are. Or you have bigger unsolvable problems. Like you said, it's a large organization. Communication is always going to be difficult. And you need to put you know systems in place, you, you know, work hard to get over it but ultimately large organizations always have communication problems yeah and there are other organizations never have enough money there's always never enough staff never enough money you're always trying to deliver things in the best way you can other organizations constantly restructuring i mean Mm -hmm. that's that's one that i think comes up and i know we're going to talk about redundancy in another episode in more detail but i i do see that happening quite a lot that teams are continually restructured sometimes people are made redundant as they bring in new teams and um, in some ways it's a hopeful gesture I think in that you know hoping to improve efficiencies and and the way in which the organization works better by making you know getting teams to work in different ways but it never actually solves the problem yeah Um, it moves it around it moves it around but you know what I mean I think in some ways this is all just part of work in some ways you have to accept that there are certain work scenarios that are going to go around 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 a little bit well this is where cynicism comes in right so let's talk about that a little bit so it's really hard in the face of watching you know this this cycle uh, of things going around and the unsolvable problem coming back around and i i've talked to numerous people in the past who've left their jobs for very you know for very similar reasons they felt that the problems that they saw and that in their own job they were meant to solve there wasn't the political will to solve it there was not the resources to solve it or there was just no way to solve it they just thought I can't stay here anymore because this is going to drive me crazy trying to battle against this unsolvable problem so I'll go somewhere else where I can actually solve other problems and be more effective and it's very difficult in the face of that kind of cycle to not become cynical and maybe it does sort of come into some of you know unconsciously some of your behavior right yeah. where when you're giving what you think is giving advice might be slightly <laughs> cynical well i think there's a trade off isn't it at some point in your career you maybe maybe it's not about being cynical but maybe it's being not as enthusiastic as maybe you were in the beginning I mean, when I see jobs advertised and they ask for enthusiasm, I always think, well, that's a job for a young person. <laughs> because, you know, I I will be loyal, I'll be hardworking, I'll bring plenty of experience, but 
you know, do I have to be enthusiastic as well? Isn't that, haven't I earned the right at my age to just not be enthusiastic anymore? But, you know, I'm wrong. I'm wrong in that. I no, mean, you're that... not. My inner cynic says, well, hang on a minute. Why do you require enthusiasm? Should enthusiasm <laughs> just come with the territory? Well, this is the, this is the thing. I think if you, if you are getting a lot from your job and you are enthusiastic, naturally enthusiastic about the projects you're working on or the environment I mean that just comes naturally and um, you will be exuding enthusiasm I just don't want it forced out of me I don't want it demanded on the spot it just makes me clam up oh no totally yeah but I'm I'm all for natural enthusiasm and you know zest for life and all of that but um, when it comes to enthusiasm there is no point in sitting there and not being enthusiastic with your colleagues about projects that you're working on together. Because even if you don't need to be enthusiastic, you have to recognise that other people need it. You Mm -hmm. know, they need the positive input. So if you're not being enthusiastic in in that environment, if you're not being enthusiastic about the ideas that they're suggested, which you've seen work before, it's making it difficult for them. Right. And this a very rare individual that you know wakes up every morning and says, "I'm going to thwart my colleagues from succeeding." <laughs> <laughs> well, I did have a No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, these people exist, of course, but they yeah. are few and far between. And most of the time, in my experience, is it style over substance. So most people are trying to participate or trying to engage and the way they go about it or what they say might be perceived, might even be suggested as negative, but it's really, they haven't learned um, either, like you say, like every business or every uh, organization has a culture. They haven't worked out how to engage with that culture in a way that works. So they, you know, I can think of people I've worked with who, you know, they're not enthusiastic people. They come across as cynical, but if you sort of strip away that and you actually try and listen to what they're communicating, they're actually communicating something very useful. You yeah. just have to listen to it and th- hear it. I think what you're saying is that this comes down to the person that's in charge needs to be more mature about the feedback that they're getting on things. Right. That being able to read people, if you're just looking for people to go, oh, well, yeah, that's great, you know, that's brilliant. And for people to be enthusiastic, you've got to recognise when people are actually offering sage advice like they're not being negative right and I think for the person who's being accused of being negative it's just so frustrating that people can't see that but unfortunately not everybody in that managerial position will be recognizing what you're actually saying so unfortunately you know there's 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 two things isn't there one you either have to reframe yourself and about how you present things and take on board that that what you've said might come across as negative right and accept the fact that that person cannot cope with you presenting ideas in that way or maybe this place isn't for you anymore maybe what maybe this negativity is actually the tip of the iceberg of something else that's going on I think you've hit the nail on the head which is 
there's actually f three options. One is this might not be the place for you anymore because you know you've you've kind of run out of enthusiasm or you're just tired of the cycle. The other thing is is that I do think as individuals we do need to take on board how we communicate, what we say, how we say it to make sure that it's having the best effect that we mm. want it to have. Um, and for, for others and yourself, yeah. because you don't want to communicate your ideas in a way that's going to make people feel negative towards you either. Yeah, and also that they fall on deaf ears because you might actually be helping everybody in a, in yeah. a in, you know. But the other half of that equation for us on an individual level is we also have to think about the solutions. So, you know, I've worked with many people through the years and what people forget to say is the other half, which is this won't work because, but here's an alternative that might work better. So they forget to think through the problem all the way through to a potential solution. And that's where people get branded as negative is because they forget to think about the solution or the positive. And then I think the third piece is, going back to your point about the management needs to be mature, I think that is a really important point because the manager who is giving this feedback to this person in this scenario has not contemplated well enough what exactly has to be said to this person to motivate them to participate in the best way. So simply stating a fact, someone else said you were negative, is not helpful. And one of the best ways to do it is actually to personalize it, is to say, I observed that this interaction was not helpful because. Mm. And so it's that whole model of you describe the situation, you describe the behavior, you describe the impact, and you help that person work through it and see it from another perspective. And then you bolt on the solutions piece and say, so this is how behaving like this impacts your colleagues. Maybe you could do it differently like this. And you help that person engage more. Do I say this before or after I finish crying in the toilets because somebody <laughs> called me negative? I think it's flexible. <laughs> I mean, because it's all good advice. <laughs> I'm making notes <laughs> for the next so time this Are you happens. the manager in the scenario crying in the bathroom? I think I'm both the manager right. and I'm also the person that's been called negative. <laughs> right. Either scenario, I'd probably go for a cry afterwards, right. or at least wait till I got home. And yeah. that's a great point because we're only human, right? Yeah. You know, we're only yeah. But the other thing is, and that really reminds me of a super important point to bring up, which is the conversation's not over, right? So you can have that conversation with your employee if you're in the manager role. And if it doesn't go well, you can come back around and you have to have the maturity to say, I'm really sorry, that conversation didn't go very well. Can we have another try? And I think it's also true if you're the employee on the receiving end saying, look, that conversation didn't go really well, manager. Can we try again? And here's, you know, coach them on how to interact with you better. I know this is a very North American thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. I'm bearing with. No, I mean... What you're suggesting is having a upfront conversation with somebody about real things, which, you know, as a true Brit, I'm struggling with. <laughs> Should we both have a cry in the bathroom? Yeah, come yeah. Back? Even after this, I'm going to have a cry in the bathroom. But, um, so. yeah, I mean, I think what I mean, what we're, we're looking at is just ordinary human beings at different stages of their careers dealing with really big problems and sometimes those problems you're just moving the pieces around and we're all trying to you know contribute in the best way we can 
So what the other thing that's interesting about this conversation and this person's scenario is that it's sort of this downward spiral. There's a danger of this downward spiral where you lack motivation and your your motivation leeches out of you over time. Yeah. So when you think about enthusiasm, it's sort of like the anti-enthusiasm sort of vortex where you start with giving advice or what you think is good input and you're branded as negative and people say, you know, you really shouldn't say these things. You're not very helpful. You don't have good ideas. And then you get pushed further down into the vortex where you then become cynical and then you start withdrawing and start sort of effectively removing your labor. And then you get to what, you know, people are now calling quiet quitting, which we always used to call work to rule. Yeah. Do you think it's more difficult post 40 as we get older and more experienced? Do you think there's more risk of the cynicism going down into the vortex? I look back at things that I do. I think one of the things, and I think this is going to lead us on to talking about quiet quitting, in that working a lot of extra hours, you know, and that sort of presenteeism and that sort of, I think that's very difficult to not get cynical about as you get older. I mean, I, I, work as a you know freelance consultant for many years and I was given very demanding deadlines um, and actually in lots of roles you know you've had very demanding deadlines but I do remember one incidence where a huge amount of work and I sat up till you know three in the morning writing a presentation that could be delivered on the client's desk on that Monday morning and then I walked past that presentation on their desk every day that yeah, week. That is just heartbreaking. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, that was just one, that was one project, but it was not the only incident where that's happened. Sometimes it's hard not to be cynical when being pushed to work continually beyond the hours that you're paid for or working above your grade or you know just being constantly under pressure to um outperform your role right when you know from experience that often there isn't a need right and it comes down to what is your value and I think that's what a lot of people respond to, which is why they get frustrated, why they act badly, why they work to rule, is because that kind of behavior says that your their time is more valuable than your time or that they have more value than you. Even though you all work for the same organization, you're all paid uh, you know, to do your roles, which are all essential, but there's something kind of viscerally insulting about... I have worked and slogged to put that on your desk and you can't even be bothered to read it. <laughs> or, I mean, I'll be generous enough to say it wasn't even that they couldn't be bothered to read it, but priorities have changed. And I think that's where I'm coming from is that, you know, it's yeah, everybody needs deadlines. I need deadlines to get things done. Um, but I think sometimes a lot of people are under pressure and you know that actually there's no need for that. What we need is a a workplace and I think you really feel this as you get older um, because probably you've got a lot of things going on in your life or you've just done it for a long time or you've you know you're trying to have a better work-life balance you know that it, you don't need to work like that there ought to be a better pace everybody sometimes has to push it work more hours 
put yeah. that time in for specific things and i think i think that's where uh, you know when you're in the workplace and you're over 40 when you've worked for a long time you can see when there is genuinely a need to do that and when there is not right. and and i think that but i think that's really hard to convey and that's where the cynicism comes in when people don't see you you can see that it's not going to make a difference overall to what you're trying to solve and it's just putting everybody under stress right and what is the point right so again it comes back to a sort of maturity in terms of how the system works you know you have more mature organizational systems for example and and how the the actors within that system are working maturely or not so i've had bosses that have said yeah 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 i know this is a deadline just don't kill yourself over it just do the bit you know do the minimum no one's going to read it anyways so don't freak out about it and that was actually quite reassuring because it was like oh thank god because otherwise i you know as a high achiever type you know people pleaser um you know i would have worked all hours god sends to get it done so you know there's there's that sort of give and take that needs to happen but where you're in an organization where it's all take all the time it's really really difficult and you wear people down and it's not helpful and when you're an older person you've been around the block a few times and yet you're still required to work at that pace when you know there's no point is really really difficult yeah i think also you might know that there's no point but in some ways you don't know either because you're not in charge and there's you're not in charge of those priorities and maybe there's a feeling of just lack of control Mm -hmm. and and i think that can be quite difficult as well when you've been in the workplace a long time you know you you feel like you want more control I think everybody does. And I think you're right. The other insight is, is that when you're on the receiving end of please do the work, the manager above you is also on the receiving end of please do the work. So they're under as much pressure as you are. Yeah. So it's really, again, it's about style over substance. How does that interaction work that it is still motivational for you or for them? You know, and again, we're just human. So not everybody's going to get this right all the time. But Mm. yeah, there is, there's pressure coming from lots of different places. And like you say, depending on your level, you aren't necessarily privy to all those pressures and you're not necessarily going to ever be privy to, which Mm. is why you might just be told do it what's really interesting is an intergenerational thing is happening right now so in one of our previous episodes we talked about how having older people at work mixed with younger people at work um, is actually really healthy for the work environment and the i read a really interesting article recently about how gen z are now starting to come into the workplace and us Gen Xers, we used to be highly motivated by work the extra hours, you know, show yourself to be very present all the time and your ambition will be rewarded. And so we were motivated by the, you might go up the ladder, you might get more money. Whereas Gen Zers are coming in and they have a very different understanding of work-life balance. And they are actually saying... You mean they actually think they might like one? <laughs> yes. Or that they're going to have one. Yeah, well, that's it. They're going to yeah. have one. So this article was talking about how there are are Gen X managers managing Gen Z people and they're trying to use the same carrot and stick to motivate them to work long hours and it's not working Mm. because Gen Zers are like no I have a life and actually we could learn something from that Mm. and I think the Gen Xers are interpreting that as work to rule but it's not necessarily it's simply saying I have boundaries you've hired me to do this 
and I'm doing it to the best of my abilities in the hours that you give me. Sure, I'm going to work a little bit here, there and everywhere, but I'm not going to kill myself on the promise of some other thing, be it promotion or salary increase, because it's just not important enough to them. Mm. Well, I mean, their job is important enough, but that not having that balance in their life is. I, I'm going to quote my mother here who said to me years ago, learn from your children. Maybe wise advice, wise woman advice. You know, maybe this is what we're saying. Um, and I do believe you should always learn from younger people coming into the workplace and all that energy and new ideas they bring. And then maybe Gen X do need to take that on board. And, and it's only going to have a benefit to that generation. I just want to know whether the millennials are in the middle sitting on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We should ask some. We should ask some. Yeah, definitely. We'll get some on here. So but... you millennials out there, tell us. Yeah, tell us. What tell you... us what it's like for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This very conveniently takes me to talk about this idea I have called the Goldilocks Zone. So trademarked Eve Doomy. Um <laughs> I've already registered it for you. Excellent, good. So the idea of the Goldilocks zone is you find this way, this place where, you know, it's just right for you. So it's not too cold, it's not too hard, not too soft, you know, where your work life suits you for whatever reason. You know, you're at the level that you want or you're in a job that you like or you're in a job that you don't necessarily like, but it works for you because you have lots of free time. But just you should, you know, aim for so when we think about, you know, negativity, this is a way of sort of addressing not being a negative. It's like, well, how can I turn a situation that I'm not happy with and look at it differently so that I can turn it into a positive and think about, well, what would suit me? So if this situation or this environment is toxic for me, or it's just not working, or it, you know, I don't fit for whatever reason, how do I find a place that, that works for me? Yeah, and I think your priorities just change. I think also you've got to recognise when maybe this job isn't the right job for me anymore. You know, maybe this level of negativity and this feeling like it's too hot, too cold, you know, it just doesn't feel comfortable anymore. Maybe it's time to leave. And I think women particularly, and I think as you get older, I think also as you have children, women can get stuck in a particular job. And it, they don't feel stuck, but you might be more reluctant to move on into a different role because the hours suit you, the location suits you, you know, you don't feel like, it's not that you don't want to work at that level, but you don't want to take on a whole new different set of logistics by moving to a different role. And I think women can stay too long in a mm. job and not realise it. And that's where things like negativity and cynicism, they start to leak out of you and you don't, you know, maybe you just don't realise that this is what's happening. And it's because it's time to move on. And I think sometimes you've got to face that. Would you like me to tell you what the Daily Mash says about signs that you've stayed too, too long, long yes, definitely. in your job? So let's have a look. Worried you've been at your job for so long you've become institutionalised? Watch out for these signs. First one is you've blandly written good luck in 52 leaving cards. <laughs> second one is you've watched the ceo grow up <laughs> wow he now affectionately calls you granddad which has become your most embarrassing work nickname 
You're the only person that can change the toner in the printer. The office is now paper-free, which makes your skills like an ancient art. <laughs> Almost completely obsolete like you. <laughs> you know who, who all the abandoned mugs belong to? Those left behind little, little mm-hmm. remnants. And the last one is nobody likes you. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I think maybe what that means is all your friends have left. <laughs> maybe, yeah. I think also you could say everybody likes you because you know everybody. Because yes, you've been there so long. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Well, you can get comfortable, can't yeah. you? Maybe a bit too comfortable. But also leaving, you know, leaving a job that you have been, you know, that suits you. Like you say, the location might be good. Uh, the salary might be at the right level or the responsibility might be the right level. It f- can feel very risky and it's not an option for everybody. So, you know, you've, you've got to ask yourself some questions about, you know, if I do want to leave because I've met all the requirements in the Daily Mash report for staying too long, you've got to ask yourself, what's my financial situation? You have to be practical about it. You know, what are my options? You know, look around, make sure that you are have a good understanding of what you know job options are out there. Reach out to your network, talk to people. Um, you know, think about maybe retraining is, you know, is a better option for you because you just don't even like this line of work anyways. But you've got to be really, really practical to minimize the risk, you know, because the more entrenched you are, the more risky it feels. Yeah. I don't think you might actually decide, you know, you don't want to go. But I think this is where, you know, the management, how the management of a company needs to be mindful of this with staff. I mean, people have got if they've been in an organisation a long time or just been in the industry a long time, they've still got... We all have still so much to give and and want to be able to frame our experience in a way that really works. But if you've just let things go on a bit and that negativity and um, cynicism has started to creep in, you know, it's not just... I don't think it's just on you to solve. I think think you, you should have a team around you. You should have a... boss above you is recognizing it in fact when I was looking up you know about quiet quitting doing a bit of research because I keep hearing this phrase over and over again interestingly it was most of the articles I read online were less about about the person who is quiet quitting it was more about managers recognizing whether people are doing this and the the sort of top three things to look out for were withdrawal apathy and negativity Mm. so they're the kind of signs that they should be looking out for and that that they should be helping people overcome that so i would say going back to our scenario you should ask for help i think i think that's right and actually we can separate this because we've actually covered both sides of it which is negativity you are in fact being negative versus being branded as negative Mm. so the question is can you be rehabilitated if you are branded as negative or if you are in fact feeling negative can we rebuild her Mm -hmm. definitely what do you think yeah no absolutely Uh, absolutely i think we just sometimes you need people to say things like that to you i think and it's hard really not to take things personally, I refer to my previous comment about have a good cry in the toilets, but you can turn this round to your advantage because all the things you might have been thinking or feeling about your job, your role, where you fit in, your relationship with your manager, you know, this has come to a point where it's beginning 
to affect how people see you in the workplace. And I mean, look, this might just be a sign that, do you know what, you've, you've had enough here. It's time to move on. But also, it might not. Yeah. It might just be, there are different ways I can use my skills. What, what internal training can I have? How can I look at my role a bit different? Maybe you want more responsibility. You're sick of that. You know, we were talking about control. You can't control things. Right. Maybe you need, you need more of that in your role. Maybe you want to. Maybe you want to step up and take more responsibility. And I think we can get really stuck in ruts or, or afraid yeah, afraid to push ourselves forward and it's easier to sit on the sidelines let's face it, we, we all find it easier to sit on the sidelines and criticise than actually get stuck in right, and I actually agree with all of that and I actually really I was thinking back to a lot of the business process work that I've done, working you know, with functions or organisations where something you know doesn't work properly, they haven't quite figured it out and often it is the person who says sometimes the most negative thing but effectively is blurting out the truth and it's a truth that nobody sort of because you've been around it for so long you almost internalize it and don't realize that that's ultimately the problem that we're trying to solve like a a process blockage or some way that we're we're trying to solve the problem we've we just keep going round and round in the same way and sometimes it is the cynic often you know in in organizations their role is called the heretic where they just say the thing the unsayable thing that everybody else has forgotten is the most important thing and it can really help i mean it has to be managed properly so there aren't (laughs) lots of tears but it is really helpful to break through obstacles because again like if you're really listening then not only can that person who's being negative be rehabilitated because they're you know they're they're helped to explain things a little more positively whatever but don't get rid of that essence of where they can see the root problem and they can articulate it so it's actually really important that if a team for example has sort of fallen into this negativity you can all be rehabilitated it isn't hopeless for all of you that you know you can rethink reimagine your way out of the situation yeah definitely you can kind of break it down and look at the tasks involved look at all the roles involved oh god i'm going to suggest restructuring i think we <laughs> I'm part of the problem here, but yeah. Do you know what? We've we've mentioned quiet quitting, but I think some people may not know exactly what quiet quitting is or, or what it's thought to be. Have you got a good definition? I didn't really understand it when I first heard it. Like, how do you quietly quit? Do you just pack all your stuff up and do your drawers, <laughs> log off and creep out? Or just don't log off and creep yeah. out. <laughs> Leave your leave your leave chair, your, your chair <laughs> spinning, your mug still on the table or whatever. But no, it's it's doing it's continuing to do your job, but doing the bare minimum they describe it as, or just continuing and not going above and beyond. So I don't think quiet quitting is fair. I don't think it's a fair description of what we're talking about here. It is and it isn't. I, I see where you're going that. But when I think about the list of the three things, withdrawal, what were the other two? Um, apathy and negativity. Right. You know, those are the signs that someone is going to leave because they are unhappy yeah. with what they're doing. And I do think that sort of doing the absolute minimum is a form of withdrawal. You're withdrawing your labor, you know, in, yeah. in the sense that you're withdrawing your enthusiasm, you're withdrawing goodwill. 
And mm. that also means that the person is looking elsewhere, is starting to look elsewhere. And what that really is, is a failure to engage with that person and understand what's going on with them. Mm. Because when someone is doing the minimum, it becomes very clear pretty quickly if you're paying attention. And it's, you know, if you're in the management role, it's your job to, to reach out and try and engage with them. But you as the individual, it's also your responsibility to reach out to your manager saying, look, I'm really not happy. And here's why, you know, before you get to that point, but also it's not possible for everybody. Not everybody has a great boss. Not everybody can have that conversation and quiet quitting. I can totally see it where again, it comes down to risk. You might not be able to just quit your job and then go look for another job. You yeah. might get to the, you might just get to that point where well, I'm only paid for these hours. I'm just going to do my job in these hours. Mm. And it is a, it's not, I agree with you. It's not exactly quitting, but it's on, it's on the road. You're, you're on that road. All right. So in summary, age and experience could come across as negative, but it isn't always. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's as simple as that. But I agree. I that accusation does come your way. It's time to have a bit of a think, isn't it? Yeah. Then it's not right for that person to say you came across as negative. Unless it is, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you're being negative in meetings, buck up, honestly. You know, you're going to make everyone cry. All, all the new people are crying in the... God, the toilets are really crowded now <laughs> after this conversation. But yeah, it's... Um... It's, it's time to have a think. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having a think about your career, where you are, what you want. Yeah, it could be the wake-up call you need. Yeah, and also we have to remind ourselves that work is a bit of a game, isn't it? Find that way of playing it so that you can work as a team. I mean, that's that kind of sports analogy, which not being a very sporty person, I'm struggling with. But I, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And for me, it's all about succeeding. How does the team succeed? How do we meet our goals? How do we deliver what we're supposed to deliver? Yeah. And what are the means by which and the resources by which we have to get there? And sometimes age and experience helps us. Sometimes youth and enthusiasm helps us. I think uh, it could be a mix of all of them. Well, I think that's that's what we're saying, isn't yeah. it? It's It's a team thing. Though that mix has got to work and if you don't feel that what you bring is being valued, then that's a converse, that's a hard conversation you've got to have with your boss yeah. and with yourself as well. So in summary, negativity actually has a use in some ways. I think negativity is a gateway to positivity. That's how I'm looking <laughs> at it today. That's a good place to end it, I think. Negativity leads to positivity. <laughs> Somehow that seems too simple. <laughs> Somehow it doesn't seem about it. doesn't seem right. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, let us know about it. We also want to hear what you've been up to since turning 40. Get in touch on our website, rightsideof40pod.com. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at rightside40 or Instagram at rightsideof40pod. All content is arranged by Eve and Caroline. And a big thank you to Terry and V. Neal for writing, performing and mixing the original music.